So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, The person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. pray together again. God, we know that you gave us your word because you love us. And so we ask today, uh, right now, as we turn our attention to this passage of your word and as I speak from it, we ask that we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. In order to live joyfully and effectively as Christians in this world, we need power. Would you agree with that? I mean, just need God's power. If if you've ever really thought seriously about the calling that God has placed on us when he calls us to follow his son Jesus in in this world, you realize that we're going to face obstacles and we're going to deal with difficulties that, guys, in our own strength, we are not able to handle. We need, we really need power from God. And this is true if you've been called to be a pastor, like Jeffrey Choi, or you, if you've been called to serve in diaconal ministry. It's true if you're a parent and, and you've been called to raise children of faith in, in a very difficult world, or if, if you're, uh, you're called to honor God as a, a vibrant Christian single. Some of you perhaps um, work in jobs or professions where, you know, to be honest, in, in that field, the values of God's kingdom are not exalted very often. You need power to represent Jesus there, right? Don't you? you just, or, or if God's calling on your life as a Christian will involve facing fierce temptations again and again, or bearing the burden of deep suffering, deep discouragement. Whatever the specifics of of God's call on your life as a Christian, whatever they they are, um, we need power from God to handle them. And the good news is God gives us that power. God, God gives spiritual power to his people. 
So as we look at the, this passage today, there's just two things I want to talk about, all right? I want to talk about the source and the secret, all right? So the source of the power God gives us, and then secondly, the secret to experiencing that power in your life. Those two things. So we'll, we'll start with the source. Um, you find this in, in the passage. It's very clear. The source of our spiritual power is the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been around here um, this fall, you know that we are, we're working our way through the book of Galatians. And um, it's interesting. Galatians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a particular churches. And up to this point in the letter, the Apostle has not yet mentioned the Holy Spirit at all. And you might think, well, I guess the Holy Spirit's not important. But once you get to chapter 3, watch out. It's almost like from this moment on, this is one of the central themes he keeps talking about again and again and again. The Holy Spirit whom God sends to dwell in the lives of those who trust Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is mentioned four times in chapter 3, three times in chapter 4, eight times in chapter 5, another three times in chapter 6. From this point on, the third person of the Trinity, who he is, what he does, how he dwells among us and within us, this is like a central theme in the rest of the book. And to understand just how important the Holy Spirit is in the life of, of a Christian, look quickly with me at the last half of today's passage. Uh, from verse 6 through verse 14, the apostle lays out in richly biblical language, he lays out God's plan of redemption that is fulfilled through his son, Jesus Christ. And, there, and there's so much here, I can't unpack all of it, but just kind of in a nutshell, this is the plan of redemption. He says, God gave Abraham a promise, a blessing, and said that this blessing would be for all the nations of the world. But lawbreakers like us can't receive God's blessing. We deserve God's curse. So, God the Son came and took the curse we deserve on the cross in our place so that we might receive the blessing of God. That's, there's a lot there, but in a nutshell, this is the plan of redemption that's laid out. God promises blessing to Abraham for all the nations of the world, but none of us can receive it. We deserve God's curse, so God the Son comes and takes the curse we deserve so that the blessing that rightfully belongs to him might be poured out on us. That's the plan of redemption. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Notice, this is, this is astonishing, the end to which all of this is done. What I mean is, what is the main reason why God redeems us this way? Look at the very last words of, of verse 14. We read that God does all of this so that by faith we might have our sins forgiven. No, that's not what it says. If you're looking at the Bible, it doesn't say that. It's important to have your sins forgiven, but that's, listen, that's not the main reason God redeems us this way, okay? Stay with me. Eyes up here. Stay with me. All right. Everyone, stay with me. If you're looking at verse 6 through 14, the main reason God does this is not so our sins can be forgiven. Or you might expect him at the end of verse 14 to say that God does all this plan of redemption so that when we die we can go to heaven. That's not what he says. 
He says this, end of verse 14, God does all this act of redemption so that by faith, he says, we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So just if, to kind of follow the logic of the apostle here, he is saying that the reception of the Holy Spirit by you as a believer is the main reason why God worked out this whole plan of redemption. Not just to get you forgiven, not just to get you into heaven, the main reason, this whole promise to Abraham for the nations, the son comes into the world, he takes our cur cur curse on the cross. The whole reason, he says, is so that by faith, you might receive the Holy Spirit. So what does that tell you? Um, the reception of the Holy Spirit is not some peripheral fringe benefit that God gives to Christians for their life. It is his plan from eternity to dwell within us through his spirit is at least according to this passage, the main reason why he redeems us so that he might be our God, we might be his people, and he might live among us. So the Holy Spirit is, he is the source of the power we need. Now, Pastor Jeffrey, if I may, you and I, you and I have been given this incredible privilege of being called to stand before this great community of faith and preach God's word to them. And whenever anyone proclaims the word of God, there's a sense that you're, you're standing on holy ground because, brother, we are preaching unchanging truth to people who have undying souls. And whenever, whenever God's word is preached, it's kind of like eternity has just come into the room. I mean, eternity hangs in the balance here. People's response to the preached word of God shapes the rest of their forever. Brother, aren't you glad we don't have to do this in our own strength? Aren't you glad that the effectiveness of the preached word is, is not dependent on the cleverness or the persuasiveness of the preacher? It's it's the Holy Spirit who attends the preaching of the world, word to give it its fruitfulness. The Holy Spirit does this. So, Jeffrey, there's power for you in your ministry. Deeks are diaconal workers. We want you to understand that, that the way we view you, there is no ministry in this church more important than the ministry of the diaconate. There are ministries that are as important. There are none that are more important. Deacons, deaconesses are servants. Jesus said, Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. And so deacons, when you're, you will be interacting with people at perhaps the most vulnerable moment of their life. People will be coming to you when they're afraid and they're broken and they're in need and they don't know what to do. And you will be serving them in the perhaps the most vulnerable moments of their lives. If you serve them well, you speak the right words, you have the right tone of voice, you have the right attitude, you, have, you make the right decisions, your service will point them toward Jesus. But if you don't serve them well, 
You don't speak the right words. You don't have the right tone of voice. You don't have the right attitude. You, you, you don't make the right decisions. You might actually drive them away from Jesus. No pressure, all right? But Deeks, aren't you glad? You don't have to do this on your own. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit has been given to you, that it's not even up to you, that you're not working in your own strength, you're working in the power of God? And, and so yeah, let me just tell you, every Christian, no matter what you're calling, every Christian should just be glad. Oh, I'm so glad God gave me the Holy Spirit. Are you glad for that? I, I was thinking, how, how would you illustrate this? I came up with a really silly illustration. I'll admit that up front. But just, I want you to imagine a school bus driver in a rural section of our nation driving a school bus down a narrow country road on a winter day. The snow is falling. The road is slippery. He's got a whole busload of little kids. He has to get to school. He hits a patch of ice, slides off the road, and they are stuck in a ditch. They are miles away from the nearest help. It's very, very cold. The snow is getting deeper. They're going to run out of gas. He doesn't know how the kids are reacting, so he looks into his rearview mirror to see the children and guess who he sees? Superman is riding on his bus. I told you it was silly, right? But can you imagine how he would feel to look in his mirror and see Superman is riding on the bus? Christian, listen to me. You have the right to feel that way every morning when you get up and get out of bed. Why? Because someone with incomprehensible power is with you and will be with you no matter what temptation you face, no matter how hard it is to pray that day, no, ma no matter what, what decisions you have to make, no matter what you face. We're not alone. Isn't that great? So the Holy Spirit is the source of the spiritual power God gives his people. Now, second point. What is the secret? What is the secret to really experiencing the Holy Spirit's power in your life? So how do you, how do you access this power? How do you kind of plug into the, the, the Holy Spirit? How do, you, um, how do you tap into this, this great potential that God has given you? What's the secret? Maybe the secret is fasting and prayer. In the course of my lifetime, I have known at least two individuals who have fasted for 40 days and 40 nights so they could have more spiritual power. And they live to tell about it, right? Maybe that's what you need to do. Or may, maybe this, the secret is um, scripture memorization. When I was in college, I had a friend who had committed the entire Gospel of John to memory. He could, from, from start to finish, he could recite the whole thing for you. Maybe if you did that, you would have more spiritual power. Or maybe uh, the secret is ministry involvement. Maybe the reason you don't feel the Spirit's power is because you're not really doing anything for the Lord. And if you start would step out on faith and volunteer for some ministries and get involved, you would know more power in your life. Maybe that's the secret. Or maybe there's a certain seminar you need to attend. Maybe there's a certain book you need to read. Maybe there's a preacher somewhere who has a special anointing. If he or she would just preach over you, you'd suddenly have power from the Lord. What, what is the secret to experiencing the Holy Spirit's power? Now listen, 
the people to whom the book of Galatians was, was originally written. These were men and women in the first century who had grown up in a very broken background, pagan society. They were Gentiles, all right? And they were being told by some teachers that the secret to experiencing spiritual power was circumcision. <laughs> Sounds weird, right? But this is what they were being told by these teachers that, you know, they had grown up Gentiles and, 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 that, and, and, and what they needed to do if they really wanted the Spirit's power was uh, they, they, they needed to, the men needed to be circumcised, the families needed to start eating kosher food, they needed to start following these Jewish customs, follow the Jewish calendar, that if they would just do these things, that would be the secret. They would know God's power in their life. That's what they were being told. What did Paul say to them? Verse 1, he said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Did you receive the Spirit because of something you did, in other words? Or did you receive him by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh, by human effort? He says, have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, by the things you do, or by you believing what you heard? Now what, what is the apostle saying here? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Christian, you experience the Spirit's power the same way you've received the Spirit's presence. How did you receive the Spirit's presence? Did you have to fast for 40 days before you were allowed to be a Christian? Did you have to read certain books before you could become a Christian? Did, did the ancient Galatians have to be circumcised before they could receive the Holy Spirit? No. They received the Holy Spirit without doing anything, just trusting Jesus. They just trusted him, and he was given to them, right? And so he's saying, listen, you experience his power in an ongoing way in your life, the very same way you received it. You simply trust Jesus. Nothing fancy you have to do. Nothing special you have to Undertake, you just keep trusting Jesus. That's the secret. I wonder if you've ever been, uh, have you ever been taken by one of these, I don't mean to be mean, but they're kind of these advertising schemes where they, they, they get, where they give you a free trial offer, right? Maybe 90 days for some antivirus software for your computer, free. Right? You can try it out. Or subscription to the New York Times. Free trial offer, right? Just, you know, give us your credit card number. We'll give it to you for free. When the 90 days are up, you can cancel. You'll never rebuild anything. You know what happens to someone like me? I always forget to cancel, right? And, and then one day, I'm looking at my credit card statement. I'm saying, what? I got billed how much? I, didn't, I thought it was free. And now I have to pay for it? Guys. There are some people who think and there are some people who will tell you that God is like one of those sneaky advertisers. He will give you the Holy Spirit for free when you trust in Jesus, but then, you know, after 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you want to keep continuing to experience this, the Spirit, 
It's time to pay up. It's time to get circumcised. Time to fast. Time to do this. Time to do that. Time to somehow earn the fact that God has given you this gift. Listen, guys. That's not the kind of God we serve. He doesn't, he doesn't give you the spirit for free at the beginning and then later on say, now, you want to know the power, you've got to do something. He's not. You know what? John 3 verse 34 says, God gives the spirit without limit. And the word gives in that sentence, the, the verbal form of it is one that would communicate the idea of ongoing, continuous action. God to his people who trust in Jesus, God gives and gives and gives and gives and gives the Spirit. And he, there, you never reach a point where he says, you want any more power, you've got to start doing something. Prove to me that you want this. He never, ever does that. You experience the Spirit's power the very same way you received his presence. You just trust Jesus. So... Pastor Jeffrey, Jeffrey Choi, TJ, as the teens call you, Choi Moksanim. Brother, we need you to be powerful in your ministry. We have, uh, we're so grateful to God that he brought you to this church. We have very high expectations of you. Jeffrey, we're expecting a lot, but we are only demanding one thing. We just want you to keep trusting Jesus. Amen? Just keep trusting him. The power of the Spirit is given to those who just keep trusting Jesus. If God loved me, if God loved me enough to give his son for me when I was a messed up sinner, and he gave me his Holy Spirit to come live in my life the moment I trusted Jesus, he's not going to yank the Spirit away now that I'm following him. I'm just going to keep trusting Jesus. He keeps giving and giving and giving. Those who hear the gospel and believe. Now, diaconate, you know the drill. We need you guys to be powerful in this church. We don't want some kind of wimpy diaconate, right? I mean, we, we want to see the power of God moving, working through, through all of you. We have very, very high expectations of our diaconal ministry. But Deeks, we expect a lot from you, but we're only demanding one thing. We want you to keep trusting Jesus. Just keep trusting him. You receive... You receive the Spirit's power. How? By the works of the law? By the things that you do? No, by just simply trusting the gospel. And it would be for all of us as a church. We don't want to be a wimpy church. We want to be a church where the Spirit's power fills us and uses us. So what do we need to do, guys? Just keep trusting Jesus. That's why what we do on Sunday mornings is so important. Paul says to them in verse 1, Christ Jesus was clearly betrayed before your eyes as crucified. Like you guys saw Jesus crucified. Galatia was hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. They didn't see Jesus crucified. What does he mean by that? He means, guys, when I met you and I stood up in front of you, I just talked about Jesus. I told you about how he died for your sins through the words of the preached gospel. In your mind's eye, you saw Jesus and you trusted him. 
So on Sundays when we come back again and again, our goal is, as preachers in this church is to whatever we're talking about, make sure we talk about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is everything we need. First Corinthians 1 says Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our holiness. Jesus is our redemption. Ephesians 2 says Jesus is our peace. Romans 8 says Jesus is our intercessor. He's the one praying for us right now. Hebrews 4 says Jesus is our high priest. 1 John 2 says Jesus is our advocate, arguing before the throne of justice for our um, pardon and forgiveness on the virtue of his blood. Hebrews 12 says Jesus is, listen, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Meaning, if you're a believer, Jesus is the one who got that started in your heart. And Jesus is the one who's going to bring it to the end. Right? He is our everything. So the secret is that there's no secret. There's no secret. It's not like you have to be circumcised. You have to fast 40 days. You have to go hear this guy. You have to do this. This the secret to experiencing the Spirit's power is just keep trusting Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Thank you that you gave us Jesus. Thank you that when you open our hearts to trust him, you give us the Holy Spirit. Thank you that through that same trust, you continue to give us the power and the strength we need to live for you. So I pray for everyone here. We will face discouragement and challenges this coming week. We thank you that through the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus, you will give us power to live for you. In Christ's name, amen.